you a good man, Inspector. I think. And yet you've killed men. Yes. I'm going to ask you a question. How you answer it will determine how this night ends. How does a good man decide when to kill? Alright folks, welcome to Man Cave Movie Review, the podcast that reviews the good, the bad, and the ugly of movies for men. This is episode 56, and today we're talking about Hitman. This great and fantastic film stars Timothy Oliphant. Dugray, I think that's his name, Dugray, or Dugray, he's, he's from Scotland. Because if it's not Scottish, it's crap! And Olga Kurilenko. I am your host, Steve Michaels, and joining me to review this great and fantastic film based off a video game is my good and dear friend, Mark, son in the gunships, Slover. You know, Steve, Ken, Jeff was um, in training to be a hitman, and he even got his UPC code tattoo. But unfortunately, every time he went into a grocery store, he rang up as a cantaloupe, <laughs> so he got washed out. <laughs> wow. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and the problem was they tattooed it in the wrong spot. They tattooed it on my ass. And let me tell you, running over that scanner every now and then, it was a pain in the butt. And they always had to clean the scanner after you got done. Pun intended. That's it. Just scoot across so they can... <laughs> right? Is that it? Yeah. Okay, I can tell this podcast has gone right to hell. And also joining us is our other good and dear friend, Ken. Be quiet or I'll put you in the back of the trunk, Roni. You know, I'm kind of mystified about this movie because I've read several reviews and articles that, that try to make the case that the girl with the dragon tattoo is a strong, independent, feminist icon. And I, I just don't see it. I mean, I'm, maybe I'm missing something. I don't know. Wow. Ken, we can always count on you to pull some of the most obscure parts out of the movie. And that that's awesome because she does have a uh, dragon tattoo on her. Very small, but uh, very well done. Like that. All right, and last and certainly not least is our other good and dear friend Jeff. Well, after watching this movie, now I know why I'm wanted on Interpol's uh, top ten list. Muncie, <laughs> I, I I am Agent ninety six. Um, <laughs> either way, you either way we turn you. you <laughs> I'm always ninety six. You know, uh, well, hello, gentlemen. Um, I, this podcast. <laughs> you know what? I don't even think the train was on the rails when we started tonight. <laughs> no, you're no. You know why? Because you're penny on the train track. You already do. I am. Yep. I am that damn penny on the train track. All right, uh, tonight um, I'm going to give my full disclaimer and full disclosure right now. Um, Anything I say in this podcast is going to be tainted because I have this huge man bro crush on Timothy Oliphant, and um, I can't get around it. I can't get over it. Can't get through it. Um, I've said it before. I'll say it again. I, um, I I would watch a movie about Timothy Oliphant watching a movie about paint drying. So. Uh, there's just going to be a lot of love for me tonight um, on this movie, and um, uh, you're just going to have to uh, you know, either take it for what it's worth, or I'll be discredited from the beginning. 
No, um, Jeff, uh, I have to um, back you up on that one because uh, or Deb asked me today, she says, uh, so what movie are you reviewing tonight? And I said, uh, Hitman. Oh, and she says, is that the one with your boyfriend? So, uh, <laughs> I think, Steve, that you just need to add to your uh, sound clips a little Barry White for occasions <laughs> like this. I, I'm telling you, the, the guy's a stud. I mean, he is, he is a badass, and he is a badass in this movie, and um, uh, I, I, I will fully admit, yeah, there's a little bromance going on there. You can't you, The dude's awesome. And he's really great in this one. For those of you who have never seen this movie, this is called Hitman. And it is based off a video game that I remember when it came out. And I remember the original video game didn't really get very good reviews. And again, I think part of it was the time it came out and the type of stuff it was trying to do. I don't, I, and I never played it. I never played this particular game. But uh, they ended up making a movie on it. So I actually have seen this movie and I have never played the game. So I have absolutely no idea if the storyline of the movie even remotely resembles the storyline of the game, assuming there was a storyline of the game. Most of those type of uh, uh, first-person shooters do have one. Uh, but this one is, uh, the, the background is, a gun for hire known only as Agent 47 is hired by a group known as the organization. And he is ensnared in a political conspiracy which finds him pursued both by Interpol and the Russian military as he treks across Russia and Eastern Europe. So that's, that's kind of the background, essentially what he is. He's a, a professional assassin, for lack of a better term. And he gets hired by uh, these hardliners in Russia to uh, assassinate the Russian president and then they get, you know, and then that president gets replaced by a new one who is really a double. So nobody knows that there was really a switch in power, but there really, uh, but there was. And, and of course, the first rule of assassination is kill the assassin. So he finds himself on a hit list. So he's just trying to, uh, you know, get out of this. This movie was recommended to me by uh, um, a former um, work colleague. And I was always really skeptical about watching movies based off of video games. The only other one that I really watched a lot and I got hooked into the franchise was uh, Resident Evil. And hell, the only reason I ended up watching that was because of Mila Jojovic. So, but, and they're good movies. But without a sidetrack, I, I was skeptical about it, and he said, watch this movie. And I'm telling you, from the minute I started watching, I got sucked into it. And I'm going to tell you right now, this is probably one of my favorite action movies ever this is so well done mark i told you about it i know you saw it i don't know if jeff or ken have ever seen it up till then but uh mark your thoughts uh, you you gave it to me as a suggestion for a rental and i popped it in and it was one of those action movies don't think a whole lot just sit back and enjoy type of uh bucket of blood movies for lack of a better term i think timothy oliphant again i think there needs to be an expansion in the academy award of of types of awards because if anybody should win an award for acting best acting with his eyes mm -hmm. emotionally mm -hmm. this guy does more acting with how he looks at people than with what he says in this movie right and additionally for the viewer if you haven't seen it all of the hitmen are bald with a tattoo on the back of their head because they are the refuse of society and as little kids they're brought in and 
turned into these almost automaton-type uh, assassins. And Oliphant, he, he exudes this cool, calculated menace of this type of guy who's purely professional. He's not going to kill you unless he has a reason to kill you, which is because he's hired to. Otherwise, he's not even going to pay you a bit of mind. But um, I think one of the things I really enjoyed about this movie, too, was was the, the setting. I thought that the, the cinematography of a lot of the places they shot, especially in Eastern Europe and Russia, where you don't typically see this, were really well done and really well handled. So it, as a as a action movie taken from a video game, I think it's one of the best ever done. Is it a great action movie? I think we can discuss that, but I think it's a very good and fun action movie, and I think that really boils down to two guys who carry the movie, Doug Ray Scott, who plays the Interpol agent who's trying to chase him, mm. and um, Timothy Oliphant, which if you guys, if the audience hasn't figured out, we all really like Timothy Oliphant as an actor. There's going to be some bromance here tonight. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, there's some serious bromance there. The guy is just awesome. He's um, Yeah. yeah I mean, and we first found him in Deadwood, right, Jeff? Yep. That's where we first saw yes. him. Deadwood, and that's what got us hooked on, onto his coattail. So, and he's played some bad guys in movies. He was uh, the bad guy in I think Die Hard Four movie. Yep. Uh, and he was there was another one. I think it was one of the Scream movies. He actually was the bad guy or the killer in one of those. He's had a lot of roles. Yeah, he's had a lot of roles, and he's got some pretty decent range uh, as an actor. And this is probably my favorite movie with him in it. And oh, and obviously he is in uh, Justified, so you know you've got that. Which I am remiss of saying I have not seen that, but that's because I don't have HBO. So there you go. Uh, uh, they have it on Netflix. Um, you can go buy them for I think the first three seasons now for like ten or twelve bucks at Best Buy, and they are worth having in the collection. Okay, uh, I'll go out and get them. Not Amazon. If you're an Amazon Prime member, the first three seasons are streaming free. Jeff, I know uh, you had not seen this before. Your thoughts, just real quick. Oh no, I have seen it before. Oh, you have seen it. Okay. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, when it, um, I saw. I didn't go to the theaters to see it, but I saw it um, as soon as it came out to video. I mean, I went to the Red Box and grabbed it because of Timothy Oliphant. Mm-hmm. I had never played the game either. The draw for me was just strictly Timothy Oliphant. I'm one of those guys that if if there's an actor in a movie, I will I will check out the movie if if the previews don't look terrible. I'm a big preview guy, and if you can't sell me the preview and, and the preview for this, I mean it didn't it didn't look terrible, so I checked it out. I I do like this this flick. Mark, you you had alluded to it. The way that this film is shot, the guy that did it, the the, the director for this film, um, and I'm I don't I'm not exactly sure how to say his last name, but it, you know it's Xavier. I'm going to say I'm going to guess it's Gens. Gens. Uh, Jens, he's Jens. French. Jens, um, Xavier Jens, uh, hasn't done too much, but I'll tell you what, what he has done with this movie, I thought was very well done. It was very reminiscent um, in, a, in a number of the scenes of another movie called The Negotiator with Kevin Spacey and Samuel L. Jackson. Yeah. Um, that that movie, it's a, it's, it's a guilty pleasure movie for me, but one of the reasons I love watching that movie is the filming of that movie and the the lighting and colors are outstanding one of the, the things i love about this movie is there are just some it, it's a shiny crisp colorful movie but 
you, you don't know it. There's a lot of there's a lot of darkness, but there's a lot of reds. There's a lot of color. There's a lot of brightness, and it is um, it, it it is a fun movie to just watch. Um, and and we'll get into you know a little more uh, of the uh, of the rest of the movie later. But yeah, I I have seen it. I did not. Um, hesitate in getting this. I've seen it probably three times in this last week just because I enjoyed it that much. Hey, Jeff, didn't you get the sense too? It kind of, the director kind of reminded me, guys, I, I, when you said that it, it struck a chord, it kind of reminded me of a Luke Besson movie, the way it was shot. Thank you. That yeah. it was. Yes. Absolutely. Now, like the transporter. Yep. Something like that. It's a stylish movie. It, it is, and that's a good point, Ken. I mean, you just said it. it it's the style of the movie. You guys nailed it. it that's that's why I am. Um, I, I it's worth watching the movie for the style. And uh, Ken, uh, have you seen this one? Was this the first time you saw it, or is this a? No, no. I, I saw this maybe about a year ago. I just okay. you know, it popped up on Netflix, and I ordered it, and I watched it. You know, and I'm gonna. Tone it down a notch. Uh, I mean, I like this movie. I don't think I like it. I know I don't, from the sounds of it, I don't like it as much as you do, Steve. I think it's it's workmanlike. It does its job, but the plot is meanders all over the place, in my opinion. Uh, the characters had a tough. I had a tough time caring about the characters, about any of the characters, really. Uh, am I saying it's a horrible movie? No, like Mark said. You know, a lot of action. I watched it, had a good time. And I'm going to make just one side comment. You could have taken the first five minutes of this movie, chopped it out, and inserted the first five movie of the 1990s Kurt Russell movie Soldier. <laughs> and it's basically exactly the same. It's a montage of young boys being trained to be killers right down to getting a barcode tattoo slapped on you. And I thought, gee, that's a... Did they steal that? I don't know. Seems like they did. Well, Ken, I'm gonna I'm gonna hold your feet to the fire here a little bit. Um, what what movie outside of outside of the the first Die Hard? What action movie have you ever watched that you said, yeah, I'm, I'm I really enjoy the character development in this action flick? <laughs> I like Die Hard. Okay, aside from Die Hard, aside I mean, from that, there's a what's... lot of action movies I like. No, no, not not action movies that you like. Action movies where you said because your statement was, uh, you know, there wasn't enough, there wasn't any reason for me to like the characters. Well, I can't think of. I mean, I just want to know from your perspective because I can't think of any action. And I, again, I like you. I love action movies, but I'm not in, in an action movie to, to be beholden to the characters. But what action movies have you watched that you say, wow, this is some great character development. I am I am embedded with this character now. Give me a few minutes. I'll come back with a few. Come, I, I, I put you on the spot. You come back. Yeah, you got you got an hour and a half. And let me jump in real quick here because I think, and, and Ken, Ken brings up a good point. I actually think this is one of the few movies that you do see some decent character development. In. And I would say it would be uh, Doug Ray Scott, who played Mike Whittier. He's the Interpol agent. And uh, Olga uh, Kurilenko, she was Nika. Those are probably the two characters that you really learn a lot about. I mean, you see Doug Ray Scott. I mean, he is he is obsessed with finding Timothy Oliphant because he is he, he's killing people all over the world, and Doug Ray Scott is just obsessed with finding this guy. That's all he's concerned with. And you just see a man on a mission type of thing. 
where, like with Olga, I mean, she was, or Nika, I'm sorry, with Nika, you see a lot of what her life was like before he came into it. I mean, she was basically, a, you know, a concubine of, you know, the Russian president who, you know, abused her. And they did go into a lot of background about her life and how she started. So really, if there was anybody, the main star was Timothy Oliphant. And I guess you're kind of like, who is he? What's the organization? What was the whole barcode thing? And and that may all be part of the game. That could have been one of those things where it's like, unless you played the game, you're you're out of the loop on this, and you're just going to have to make your own assumptions. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think there is some decent character development. I do think you even get a lot of character development from uh, Timothy Oliphant's character, um, Agent Forty Seven, mm-hmm. and um, because you see him, the, the, you get little clues about him as as the movie goes on. You know, you know from the outset, you don't know if this guy is just a straight up homicidal maniac and and clearly i mean he he you know they develop him he has a code um he has intimacy issues he's not just a sniper i mean he he is the total package as far as as it comes when it comes to you know how he is going to dispatch people that um he has to go up against there was a i guess an argument through through the either the writing process or the directing process uh, they wanted to do a little more backstory of exactly you know how these you know these agents came to be or what their you know how they were um, trained or whatever and it was really by the uh, producers it was really nixed that they weren't going to do that they weren't going to try to explain more um, they were going to leave it far more open to people to draw your own inferences or um, just as Mark said at the beginning you know just go along for the ride I mean it you know Ken's got a point I mean this this is not a, a deep deep movie by any means but it's not meant to be this is a this is a movie based on a um, a game and you're just, you know, making that um, that transition from from being a video game to on the screen, and you know, it, it's not an Academy Award winner by any means, but any means, but and I have some issues with some of the, with I'm all about inferences and drawing your own conclusions, but I think there's a couple which we'll talk about here in a little bit. Okay, there's there's a couple things that I do have a problem with the movie about as far as the story goes, and um, it, it's you know we'll, we'll get to that here in a little bit. I guess one of the things that I had about this movie and why I really like it is, and we've talked about this before with some movies, I went in this movie with very, very low expectations. I will tell you right now, had it not been for somebody actually handing me a disc and saying, here, watch this movie, I would have never probably rented this. I would have never gone out and seen it. But I was literally handed a disc and said, here, watch this. You'll really enjoy it. And it is, I was like, holy crap, this movie's really good. As a matter of fact, the disc sat in my house for probably about a month before I actually just sat around and went, well, let's see, sock drawer got rearranged today, got nothing else to do. <laughs> and I'll tell you what, I'll watch this movie probably about every month. It's, it's, I've got on DVD, I've got on Blu-ray, DVD, it's on my iTunes thing. I can pop this thing every time. I love this movie. I absolutely love this movie. And and maybe it's because I went in there with very low expectations and was just completely blown away by it. It's like, holy cow, I I did not see this coming. Like Mark said, it, it was almost something that uh, Luc Besson would have done. It was that, you know, the cinematography, everything, the music, which I want to talk about a little bit later. I, everything about this movie is really good. 
I don't know. I mean, I'm just, I, I, I'm kind of a loss for words, hard to believe, but I just was really taken by this movie as to how well it was done. And I think part of it is, guys, I've seen movies that are based off of video games. And 90% of them uh, suck. And yes. Yeah. Doom. They're bad. They're, they're Mortal Kombat. Yeah, they're really bad. I and I'll tell you one that um, right off the top of my head, Olga Kurilenko, she was in it. It was Max Payne. And oh my God, you want to talk about a great video game? Not going to go off a rant there, but man, love Max Payne. <laughs> love that game. Then, Not so much the movie. Then they did the movie. And then they had, uh, uh, what the hell is his name? He was in Departed, uh, the Wahlberg dude. Donnie Wahlberg or whatever his name yeah. is. Mark Wahlberg. And, or Mark Wahlberg, thank you. I saw that movie and literally was just beside myself with frustration because it was like, it was so bad. I mean, bad, bad. And it shouldn't have been because I'm thinking it's like, I remember playing Max Payne. I've played Max Payne and Max Payne 2, loved it. A fun game, great storyline, everything. But this movie, oh my god, it was just one of those where you're just—it's like make the pain go away. No the, pun intended. Yeah, literally, no pun intended. The only other movie that I've seen based off a video game uh, that comes to mind is Resident Evil. And again, never played the Resident Evil games, but the only reason I ended up getting Resident Evil because I'm a huge zombie fan. So if there's zombies in it, I'm probably going to watch this movie. And then again, that I mentioned that uh, Mila Yoyo. So, <laughs> boom, baby. I, as Jeff would say, if forget you, the zombies. We all know. Yeah. Get tune up the Barry White here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right now. So if Timothy Oliphant, Mila Yoyovich walked into your house, would it be a coin toss for you there, brother? Might be. There was actually. Wow. You know, there's a movie with the two of those in it. I remember Deb, she rented this movie. She comes in the house one day. She goes, I got this movie called, um, I think it's called The Getaway. Yeah. And, yeah, it had Timothy Oliphant and Mila Jojovic. She said, I rented this. I also have a, a defibrillator kit in case we need it at some point during the movie. <laughs> it was close. <laughs> it, it was close. So, yeah. Did you need a moist towel? That <laughs> I need it. Moving on. That is kind of my thing. I like good action movies. Went in there with really low expectations and was just really blown away by how well this was done in terms of the acting, the production value, you know, the directorship, the cinematography, soundtrack. I, I mean, this movie really is, for me, a total package. Probably tipping my... Tipping my hand here as to how I'm going to rate this movie, but anyway, that's uh, that's just where I'm at. But you know what? Let's let's just jump real quick and talk about some of the actors in this. And obviously, we've already uh, talked about our bromance with Timothy Oliphant. And uh, you know, if there's anything you guys want to add, I mean, the guy's got you know a lot of range. I mean, we saw him in Deadwood. I've seen him in some other stuff, and he actually can do a good bad guy as well as he can do a good guy. Which I like that about an actor. You know, somebody who's just not typecast in one role or the other. You know, he reminds me a lot of the old school actors of the 50s and 60s. He, he kind of strikes me as he's got some of that Newman quality, some of that Steve McQueen quality. He's got that cool, you know what I mean? Yeah. Those guys had that cool quality of, they're not this young, this hip, 
He's older, but he's got this put-together quality about him, but he's wrapped tight. And you see it in Deadwood. You see it in Justified. He really exudes this guy who's keeping it all together, but underneath, there's there's a lot going on with this guy. Right. And you know, and you see that a lot in this movie. He acts mostly with his eyes because his actingness is, you know, some people would say it's like, you know, this guy's not a good actor, but it was he was almost robotic in a way. Mm-hmm. This is a guy that is, from the time he was a small child, was raised to be an assassin. And he has no social graces. I'm not saying he's rude or crude or anything like that, but he does not know how to, I guess, interact in polite society, as you would say. And uh, and you see that a little bit. He's very uncomfortable around women. And they kind of play on that throughout the movie, is that you almost think he's kind of like an he, – he's almost like an adolescent around women. That's a great point because he is. Yeah, I mean, he is. He's never been around women before. And then when women approach him, he's just very like, dar, 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 <laughs> what do I do? I, I just think that's pretty neat about the movie. And that kind of plays throughout the whole thing because when he meets up with uh, Nika, you know, you could see he was, I mean, at one point he was ready to kill her because it's like, all right, well, you are <laughs> you serve no purpose to me. But then, I mean, it's, and then he starts kind of trying to develop a relationship with her. So I always thought that was kind of neat. I think one of the things you mentioned, he's awkward with women. And one of the scenes that, looking back on it, I thought was really well done, well constructed, is this opening scene where he's at the bar and he puts like four or five ice cubes in his scotch. Yeah. And that young lady tries to hit on him. Yeah. And he and he leaves because he doesn't know what to do. And then he goes... And he cuts away, and they go to an ice machine. And he puts his hands in the ice machine, and you don't know why. And I thought that was a really neat tie back for what you just when you mentioned that it just struck me that helped develop that scene. She talks about ice. He it, it cues him. I need to go check the ice machine. Mm-hmm. I'm awkward with this woman, but I need to go check the ice machine because of something I'm comfortable with, and I'm comfortable with firearms, and I need to go make sure. My firearms are okay because I don't know how to deal with this social situation. Right. Yeah. So you get some hot British woman walk up to you and talk to you about uh, scotch, and you just walk away. So you see, you see me in action. I just head for the uh, ice machine every time. <laughs> <laughs> but in your case, you stick your head in it. <laughs> well, and other things. Oh my god. Oh my god. You know, Ken. Um, Steve told us the last time you uh, you you two went out, um, you were you were like this central connector for like all these women at this uh, at this event. So I don't want to hear about you running off to ice machines. Apparently, you are the magnet. Yeah, I I, I serve a role. When I was- <laughs> I, I need I need to jump in here a second. Sure. And make a statement. I'm on the record here, and that is, you know, Jeff has challenged me to. What names of an action movie that I like the characters and the development and go back. I, I look through all of the man cave movie review podcasts. And if you go back and listen to the one on death race, you will find I have very nice things to say about the various characters and the way they interact in that movie. The new death race, not the old death race. 
I will have to go back and listen to that. But yeah, um, I'm gonna have to because I don't know what the hell he's talking about. I, I don't remember much character development in it, but I will look into that. Uh, and it, you know, Ken, it doesn't have. To I had be. Good, I had good things to say about the characters in that movie. That, and I'm sure you have some good things to say about characters in this movie. I mean, I just wanted to know what movie you. And it doesn't have to be one that we reviewed. It could just be any movie that you think. That's an action movie. I mean, the one that is, is action driven by movie, action. To me, action movies don't tend to have much character development. I mean, no, it's, just yeah. sort of, it, it's inherent in the genre. I mean, right. That's what, know, I, that's like, what I feel. Again, too. Here's the tough guy. He's a tough guy. You know, here's the female in distress. She's a female in distress. And, you know, there's usually not a lot of change. You might like them. They might change. I mean, Fifth Element. I mean, I don't know if you consider that an action movie, but there's some character development there I kind of like. Not much, but some. That's I thought my... Last Action Hero had a ton of character development. Wow. Back on the road. Get out of the ditch. Get out of the ditch. <laughs> All right. Other, so other actors. Doug Ray Scott. Did I say his name right? Is it Doug Ray? Dugray? Let's call him. I Caroline. suspect it's Dugray, actually, but I'm not sure. Okay, Dugray. And... Or just, if it's Is Scottish, that Claremont it's prob- Booker? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and if, it, if it's Scottish, it's probably Dugray. Actually, I think he is from Scotland. Uh, let's see. He is from Fife, Scotland. Well, Good, if it's not Scottish, it's crap. And Mr. Dugray, if you actually do ever listen to this uh, podcast, I apologize if I totally screwed up your name, but it's uh, Dugray Scott. Like that. Oh, he played Mike Whittier, and I think I actually saw him. I think he was actually in an episode of Desperate Housewives. And I'm just telling you right now, I saw it because Deb was watching it, and I got sucked into it at one point. And then I went to um, uh, rehab, and I'm fine now. Just saying. You know, the other guy I liked was his was the guy who was his lieutenant Jenkins. Yeah, Jenkins. I, they played off each other really well. Yeah, yeah, they were great. They were great together. So basically, for the you know for the folks who aren't watching, this thing is uh, Doug Ray Scott and his uh, Jenkins, who was played by Michael O'Fay. Uh, they're Interpol police officers, uh, Interpol being international police, and they travel the world looking for international criminals. So anyway, but they're after Timothy Oliphant because he's he's a bad person. I liked Whittier's character. I like the fact that this is a guy that's on a mission. He's going to do whatever he has to do. He reminded me a little bit of, um, shit, Kevin Cosner's character in The Untouchables, uh, Elliot Ness. He was kind of like an Elliot Ness of Interpol. I mean, he, he is dogged. He was dogged. I mean, he was kind of you know, he bent the rules a little bit to do what he had to do, but he wasn't. I mean, but he was basically out to get Timothy Oliphant. And I liked this character. I thought it was pretty good. You know, see, the, um, there was another show that that kind of reminded me of. Um, it was the uh, it was the Transporter. Mm-hmm. Uh, the transporter series. Um, there was an inspector um, who was uh, on the on the trail of um, of uh, Jason Statham's character, and you know there there was this you know play back and forth between them. Even though there's not much of a play in this movie, you you, you got the sense that he embodied the kind of the same role as this you know this guy that was out for the right thing. He just he didn't understand he didn't understand the motivations of the person he was after. You know he was he was a man trying to do his job. And do it to the best of his ability. And, and you know, in the very beginning of this movie, you know that that's one of the first things that you see is is the is those two um, having a little sit down. 
And, you know, and I thought that was, you know, an interesting way to start the movie. I, uh, just to make an observation, I didn't think of it till you mentioned it, but you are right about the Inspector and the uh, Transporter series. Although the Inspector has more of a, almost a friendly relationship bantering role where yeah. it's like, it's sort of a thing of, I know you're really this master criminal, but I can't get the goods on you, but we can still be friends. I understand you. And here in this movie, it was more of, I think, a respect. I mean, yes, he's a cold killer, but the two characters, in their own way, respect each other. They know, they know where they're coming from. But I do like the fact that, yeah, uh, Doug Ray Scott's uh, Whittier character, he has no idea of what the person is he's going up against. He's a shadow. He's a mystery. And the, as he thinks he figures it out, what he's figuring out is mostly wrong. Right. Yeah, the character. I mean, I guess I'm not trying to say the characters are exactly the same as far as their relationship with the uh, with the um, action hero. But you know, I just got the the the, fee- the same feel from him. Just the way that the actors went about caring about their character um, had the same feel. Thought it was. You know, I enjoyed it. One thing I want to bring up now that we're done talking about the actors in this movie is, I really thought, and again, it goes back to my like for this movie or love for this movie is the fact that I thought the plot in this movie was very well done. You know, the first rule of assassination is kill the assassin. And you had this situation where he is out to kill the, uh, or Timothy Oliphant is out to kill the Russian president and he kills a Russian president and realizes that later on, well, yeah, I killed the real guy and then the double the, because the Russian president had a double, that's the dude that's really going to be in charge now. Well, now they want to whack him and anybody that's connected, which would include Nika, who was the girlfriend. And I just thought it was kind of neat because they really did spend a lot of time talking about that part of the plot. I mean, really kind of getting into it. And I guess that is one of the things that I like about this movie is the fact that, you know, this is based off a video game. I don't know if the video game had this intricate plot, but, I mean, they spent a lot of time talking about this stuff and developing that whole thing and the people that were behind it, and it was really good. And I think that is one of my things is that I went in there with really low expectations, and this one was really good. And I think it's actually better than, let's put it this way, as far as the plot goes, I mean, I love Die Hard and everything like that, but this one's got a little bit more meat to it in terms of what they were trying to do and everything about it. So, um, you know, again, not trying to make a comparison that was a better movie than Die Hard. I guess that's just it. It's like this is a movie based off a video game, and my God, this was really good. Now, there was some stuff that they did in the movie that you could tell they are like, playing off a video game because the – you know, some of the gadgets that he used were obviously, you know, it's right out of either a James Bond Mission Impossible thing. It wasn't, you know, oh, maybe they have this stuff. Who the hell knows? A lot of the Russian troops that were in this movie or the the, uh, the militia, and I want to talk about that real quick, is I think they do this in certain movies where when they send a whole bunch of soldiers or cops to go find somebody, they put them in almost dehuman. I can't even write the word. Dehumanizing. Thank you. 
clothing and helmets and stuff like that because this movie's bloody. I mean, there's a lot of people that die in this movie. This movie's got a pretty big body count. And there's a couple of scenes where he is just unloading on people and blood's flying everywhere. And I think part of it is, is that when you can't see their faces, you know, when it's covered with a mask and a helmet, okay, well, it's not really a person. Would you agree? Because you saw that. I mean, no one dresses like these guys. We don't have guys that wear the kind of body armor that these guys have. I mean, they look like stormtroopers, but in gray uniforms. They struck me as kind of the orcs of Isengard kind of look. <laughs> yes. You know, they, they, they had a, a bit of that coal scuttle World War II German helmet, yep. the face mask with kind of this red eye thing, and these bo- this body armor. Um, that looked more like something you would see at a football game. And I think that was deliberate. And it also gave them that hulking, menacing look that I liked it. I liked the look because it was a bit, it was out of character for what you typically see for movies of this type. So it gave them that menacing look. But you're right. You just, you see these guys trotting up and you go, Wow, there's going to be a massive red shirt body count in about three, two, one. <laughs> it, it happens. You're absolutely right. It does happen. You know, th- I think there's a, three other people that I just want to give reference to. I think that Olga Kurlyenko, who plays Nika, I think she does a solid job. I don't think she does a great job, but I think she does a solid job of uh, of portraying someone who is tough because she's had to be tough because she's been sold. She's not a prostitute, but she's chattel who's trying to find her way and is trying to humanize this guy who she kind of likes but is scared of in, in The Hitman. And then there's two other characters I really enjoy in this movie. One is Yuri Marklov, the guy, played by Robert Nepper. Yep. He's the Soviet version of the, the internal police. He's the leader of the internal police, and he, he just has this menace about him, this low-key edge that you just know this guy's a badass, but again, he's kind of like timothy oliphant's character in that it's this aura that he exudes that Uh that is really well done and there's one other character i wish we saw more of because there's a great scene with him and olga and then timothy oliphant off to one side looking down on him and that's the cia agent smith jameson played by james faulkner yes he's great he's a guy that i wish there was more of you see him in the, the second act, and then you see him at the very end of the movie. And he's that guy that, you know, there should be a movie about this guy. Yeah, that's... I don't know how you guys feel, but I like that character a lot. I did, too. That was a strong character, and he brought a His role was limited, but he had an important part to play. Oh, yeah. So they cast... They did good in casting him because he brought across the power and authority and menace that had to be done to make his very short scenes effective. Yeah. I just love that one scene when he says, Jesus Christ, is this what I think it is? Keep reading. <laughs> the last thing if, if, on is me to be arrested with those with those files. <laughs> it's like because, you know what, you start learning. He's been doing a lot of dirty work for the CIA. Oh, yes. I had a point just to make on two of the things we've just been talking about I, I didn't get a chance to throw in. One is... Uh, you, you know, the, the character Yuri Markov, the FSB, yeah. you know, director. I may be dating myself, but when I first saw him, 
who he reminded me of was Olga Kuryakin from The Man from Uncle. <laughs> I saw you that, waving. You great that callback. That's obscure, Ken. Absolutely. But, but am I right? His facial features, his hair, the accent. <laughs> I mean, it, 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 I was going like, dang God. It's like, y'all, I'm watching. Where, where's Napoleon Solo? I mean, y'all. <laughs> That's really obscure. And yeah. yes, you are absolutely Dave. right. And the it other really dated. It is dated. I'm sorry. I, I'm dated. The other don't, uh, don't, be, don't apologize. I'm not apologizing. This is a statement of fact. Yeah, but no. your statement don't, a few minutes apologize. ago about the FSB agents and their you know the dehumanizing outfits. Two points on that. I'm not proud to say it, but a couple weeks ago it was on Netflix streaming, so I watched Iron Sky, that almost straight to video Nazis on the Moon movie. <laughs> and the Nazi stormtroopers from the moon look almost the same as the FSB agents in this movie. I mean, you said it, Mark, as I had the coal scuttle type helmets and everything. It's the same look. They 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 were trying to they took Russian troops and made them look like Nazi stormtroopers. <laughs> but the other thing they did, which bugs me when I see it, and they do it all the time, is they put those lights inside the helmets. And you know that, you know, those guys can't see a damn thing. They got light reflecting. And every time you see somebody in space, there's an astronaut or something, they got lights inside their helmet. I mean, it just bugs me because, you know, yes, I understand it's for visual effects and, you know, to show the facial features. But if you really had lights in your helmets, you couldn't see a thing. So <laughs> it would be okay with me if Hollywood scaled that back a notch. That's all I have to say. Please go on. No, and you're right, Ken, because, like I said, you look at that, and you look at all that garb they were wearing. They had the body armor, the shoulder pads, and everything like that. And, you know, Timothy Oliphant is still taking these guys down with a 45. So, obviously. They- and who puts the silencer on a 45? That's what I want to know. That's sort of a redundancy there. Yeah. There's that. Their armor worked about as good as the Imperial Stormtrooper armor in the war. <laughs> so, obviously, if it can't stop a 45 yeah. slug, why the hell am I even wearing this crap? This is something that Lucas could have learned from. Um, because I'm just going to give you Stormtroopers and sticks and stones and rocks, okay, from, <laughs> wow. from the Ewoks. All right? I mean, that's – there we have it. But – so let, let's just take a second, and um, and I'm just I'm just going to throw this out there. I'm I'm just going to say it. I think we uh, had in this movie possibly the the most attractive female um, distraction uh, in a movie yet. You I, have a point. I'm going to have to think about that one. Aside from Ava Green, um, or you know, I'll even throw Ava Green in there. I will say that if she um, is, well, you know, and we can we can discuss her role if it's necessary or not um, in a second. But I mean, I and 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 um, we might need to disclaim this to the audience. Um, this this is the first movie I think we've had with actual full, well, not full frontal nudity, no, but at least frontal. strong frontal nudity. No, there was full backside frontal. nudity. The one that I had. No, it wasn't full frontal. Oh, we did oh. see it. Maybe oh, your version, no. but I didn't see it. The unrated version is pretty raw. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's full. Oh, 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 you're correct. Yes. yes. 
it's just so brutal. I mean, it, you can't sit there and say, oh, how sexy is that scene? It's like, no, they're like, it's not. That was worse. No. You know what? That uh-huh. son of a bitch needs to get shot. And yeah. you cheered yeah. at the end. It's like, all right, you bastard. When Jeff says that she's a female distraction, you know, when I'm thinking of all the movies that you know, have been gone through the man cave listing, there's a lot of very attractive women. But I, I think I know what you're meaning by distraction. Like in The Wind of the Lion, yeah, you had. Uh, Candace Bergen. I mean, more. I think she's more attractive than her, but she, not not the same type of role. Is that what you're trying to get at? Am I trying to read you right, or am I overanalyzing this? If you took this girl out of the movie, would would we be missing a lot? I'd say no, but I mean, I think she was nice to have along for the ride, and um, you know, and in, in, in an enjoyable, like I said, distraction throughout the movie to have because you don't need her. At any what? point in the movie, she doesn't she doesn't save him. As a matter of fact, um, go ahead, Mark. I would argue the point though that she humanizes him so that you understand why he does what he does at the end of the movie with the Whittier character. Yes, good okay. point. All right, I, I I agree. You need because... that to occur for him to get to the point because in some respects, and I know we're really analyzing this movie when I say this. There's an element of redemption for Agent 47, and you have to have her redeem him with the beginning of the movie to the end of the movie with Whittier. Yes. And it makes sense. That that ties though, that ties the beginning and the end together as to why he does what he does. Mark, that's an excellent point. I never even thought about that, but yeah, she literally redeemed him. The beginning of the movie starts off with, how do you know when a good man has to kill? Because he, at that point, you realize, he's like, what have I, I've been doing all my life. I've been killing people. When is it the right thing to do? When is it wrong? He doesn't know. And, and that okay. comes back to the end of the movie when he intervenes on her behalf. And that's all I'll say. Yeah. Because he doesn't have to intervene. And in the past, before he became, shall we say, a human agent of the of this shadow group, he wouldn't have intervened and stopped one of his own from doing what they were attempting to do at the end of the movie. Right. I don't want to spend a lot of time on this, but I just want to talk a little bit about the music. I thought the music in this was fantastic. It's great stuff. It is great theme music for this movie. And again, it's not one of those I'm going to put on the iPod, but the music in this movie fits Every single scene, perfectly. I thought whoever did the score for this was really well done. I totally agree with you. Um, I thought this was was a very well done. I I always enjoy the heavy metal cello myself, and <laughs> and you you have it in in very good effect in this movie. It gets the heart pumping. You know, we we've said it before. Um, in, in a few other podcasts, I'll say it again. It really, it is mirrored with what you're seeing on the screen very well. And in those key action sequences, I mean, it really draws you in. And again, it's another strength, I think, of this movie. The, the, when you first fire this DVD up, and it's at the the the, the, um, the, the screen where you have your choices of what you're going to do, um, <clears throat> the, the main menu, um, the the music. Uh, is very familiar. I can't remember which classical piece it's from, but um, 
it is it's very familiar and it's very um it's very well done and I don't I can't I think it is played throughout the, or played at some point in the movie but um you know the 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 rest of the instrumental piece. Yeah, like you said, Steve, you're not going to put it on your iPod. There's some parts you could, but you know you're probably not for the most part going to go out and, and buy the soundtrack. But it it is it works well with the movie. Are you talking about Ave Maria? I yes. am Ave talking Maria. about Ave Maria. Yeah, I mean it's not. Cla- I mean it's classical, but it's classical real, you know church music. Yeah. Yes. But yeah, you 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 are familiar with it at least. At least you are, Ken. All right, going to move on to some trivia here. Uh, let's see, number one. When the project was first announced, Vin Diesel was going to star as Agent 47. Thank God he did. I knew it. I knew it was coming. As soon as I saw that in the trivia, I said, I can hear Steve now say, thank God that didn't happen. And there it was. You did not let me down. You know who else turned this role down? I know. All right. Who? Go ahead, Steve. Uh, Mark, you you called it out. You you take it. Jason Statham. Oh, he turned really? the role down, and he would have been good. He would have been fine in this role. Although he I think Oliphant, I think Oliphant does a better be job typecasted. because yeah, exactly. Oliphant's a better actor, and he would have been typecasted. Exactly what Jeff said. I don't want to say Oliphant is a better actor. Oh, here we go. It's in, he is. Yes, Oliphant's he is. a better actor. Not, I'm not putting Statham down. Statham's. <laughs> Very workmanlike and does a good job in the roles he has. But he's not. He doesn't have the range that Oliphant has. You're and Ken, you're right. You're absolutely right. Yeah, he doesn't, and he played a much better role in this. I and it was one of those where I'm like, I could see Statham in this because obviously they wouldn't have to shave his head. Statham also. I mean, he always has that like persona about him. I don't think he could do the robotic. No. Do you know what I'm saying, Ken? I mean, he couldn't yeah, do that. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah, I know what you're saying. Yeah, he, he, he doesn't. He, again, he can't bring that dehumanization to it. I mean, he, yes. he's Statham's got charisma. I mean, he can't yeah. help it. His charisma comes through. Yeah, exactly. And an elephant like shut off his charisma when he was doing those roles in the early part of the movie. Exactly. All right. I, I, I need to. Throughout something just today, I was on the internet looking for some examples of good Venn diagrams, and I found one that was two overlapping circles. One circle was labeled all movies. The other circle was a big picture of Vin Diesel, and the point of intersection was just labeled, it was very small, but it was labeled shitty movies. <laughs> wow. Nice. You know, what's that other series he's been in, um, that sci-fi Riddick. series? Riddick. Riddick. There's a third one coming out. He's in it. Yeah. Yes. They're doing a third Riddick. You can just do without that whole series. All right, uh, number two. The car Agent 47 drives is an Audi S5. Can, uh, win I'm that. shopping. I looked at Audis, and then I looked at the price tag, and then I looked away. <laughs> <laughs> Olga Korylenko was distraught after having to cut her hair for the role. She said she didn't feel like herself anymore, which she actually said helped connect her with her character. So there you go. like that. I saw her in another movie, uh, by the way, uh, and it's on the list, gentlemen. It's a centurion. Oh, yes. 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 
There you go. Most of the footage from the opening credits is edited from footage from the TV show Dark Angel, which shares a similar story about genetically enhanced children trained as super assassins. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, let's see. Oh, I like this one because I always notice this in the movie is that while Doug Ray Scott often pulls a cigarette out, he never lights one. Did you ever notice that? Yep. She's in that smoke wagon. <laughs> <laughs> Bravo. All right, there we go. Oh, wait, I got one more. You know why Timothy Oliphant took this job? Why? <laughs> yes, he I had did. to make a house. He had to make. He had to cover the payment for a house he was building. Deadwood got canceled, and he was in the middle of building this house. Right. That, Deadwood was, was supposed to go one more season, yep. and then all of a sudden he just said, nope, it's canceled. Yep, and he was in the middle of building a house, and that's why he took this role. Period. End of discussion. He had to. He pulled a Michael Caine with Jaws 3. Okay, but this wasn't Jaws 3 for him, though. No, no, but I'm saying the reason they got him was he needed to make a house. He needed to... He needed to cover the cost of a house. You know, yeah. that's what gets me about it. You know, for those of us who actually have to make, like, regular house payments, it's like we get a job at Subway after the you know, the regular thing. <laughs> yeah, but could you imagine Timothy Oliphant when you say you don't want olives and he glares at you on your super sub? You're going to want um, olives when he glares at you. And olives whether you like it or not. <laughs> and they're right. going to be the black ones. And shit. <laughs> You, we can get by with the job at Subway because the house we're making payments on is on a $1.5 million house overlooking Malibu. Well, there's that point. part, too. I mean, there's other, there's cheaper places to live. Yeah, but I, I think if he's glared at me, I, I'd just say, you know, whatever you want on my sandwich, just, Mr. Oliphant. Just write him the check. Just just, just put it on there. I'll, I'll eat whatever it is. All right. Why, I love tartar sauce with tuna fish. <laughs> <laughs> All right, folks. Uh, and in three, two, one. <laughs> All right. Uh, all right, folks, that's it for trivia. So now it is time for the best part of the show. Well, the second best part of the show. <laughs> Brother, what you drinking? Uh, Miss Mark, what you got there, sir? Uh, you got a nice pipe going there. I do. I'm, I'm smoking some nice vanilla tobacco that I got the other day from Excellent. my local tobacconist. Really nice stuff. And so I picked up, I tried to find a beer that I thought would be appropriate for the podcast. I, I'm going to be curious if, especially, well, I know Ken hasn't drank it, but I'll be curious if Steve, if you or Jeff have tried it. It's Left-Handed Brewing Company. I know we've talked about them in the past. It's called Wake Up the Dead Imperial Stout. <laughs> I thought it rather appropriate for the evening. It's got a nice wow. skull on the... See the skull. Wake That's up a the cool dead. bottle. It is a cool bottle. It's Wake Up the Dead Imperial Stout. What's the uh, ABV on that one? Uh? The alcohol volume on the Wake Up the Dead Imperial Stout by the left-handed brewing company is 10.2. Yes. Thank you very much. Let me tell you about this beer, guys. It It is a stout. I've had this stout, and then I had the Samuel Smith's or the Sam Adams, pardon me, the week before. I don't know if it got better as I drank it because my tongue became desensitized to the taste. Here we go. My tongue and it kind of had a WWE smackdown for about the first third of the beer. 
and it finally won over my tongue, and it, the burning sensation ceased, and it became. <laughs> oh my! You didn't you didn't dump any on your uh, table there and have the no. varnish strip off, did you? No, no. But actually, it was more like alien blood. It did burn through where I was trying to paint some nice um some nice Revy War miniatures and destroyed a regiment of. Tessa Hanau <laughs> Infantry. Ah, oh, God, guys. It's not the beer I had last week, I'll tell you that. But I think it's the alcohol content. I, the, at first, I thought I was drinking that dogfish we had oh. back in September. That You know, that motor oil you bought, Steve? Yep. Motor oil. <laughs> oh. I, I can't Good say Lord. that I can recommend it, but I can't say that I hate it. Because after I got through the first third, it became rather enjoyable in a desensitized sort of way. <laughs> so if you find it and you're looking for something that, um, you know, it, 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 he, I don't know, guys. This one's a hard one. I, it's too beaucoup. It, <laughs> too beaucoup. Too beaucoup. Why, why don't you take Mr. Monetine and get up on the Fubai? I, I think... I think Captain Michaels is going to need all his men. <laughs> yeah, it's too buku, Ken. Absolutely, it is way too buku. <laughs> I have warned you. For a stout, ten percent. God, when you're hitting the Godzilla on a stout, that's wow. And that's that's why it burned my tongue. I was going to say, I'm surprised I'm not calling nine one one on you. And you're home alone. <laughs> I'm really worried. All right, Mr. Muncie, what do you got there, sir? I have something from Trader Joe's this week. I have their uh, Black Toad Dark Ale that is uh, made by some distributor out of, I think it's California. I want something a little different this week. And it is, it's a, it, it, Mark, have you had this beer? No, I've never even a, seen it. Got it at Trader Joe's. It's a really nice beer. You know, I have not been disappointed with any of the beer that I've got from Trader Joe's. And um, this this is made exclusively for Trader Joe's. And um, it is, it, it's very smooth. It's a darker ale. And um, it, it it leaves it actually a nice, nice taste afterwards. It's probably one of the better beers I've had lately. Definitely recommend it. So I'm What's not, the alcohol uh, content? Yeah, I'm not, I don't know. It's something like 4.8 or something. It's pretty, pretty, okay. pretty low. You have failed me for the last time. <laughs> Yet again. Oh, not the last. <laughs> the last time. <laughs> Definitely not Far the last from time. it. All right, Mr. Ken, what do you got there, sir? Well, because I came out of work today and it was so sunny and warm and spring-like. Oh, my God. I decided to drink something associated with warm weather and outdoors on the patio at dark, which is Captain and Coke. Captain Morgan <laughs> Spiced Rum and Diet Coke. Very nice. Case. Mr. Michaels, what do you have? I am having, and this was, um, actually I am doing a showcase beer tonight. Uh, this was recommended by a um, high school uh, colleague that I met for the first time since I graduated high school. Uh, a couple of us got together for a mini reunion on uh, last weekend. And he works for, uh, I think, Miller Coors. And he introduced me to a beer called Third Shift. Not sure if you guys are familiar with this one. It's an amber lager. And 
I will tell you right off the bat, amber lagers, I'm not a big fan of those. Uh, even my uh, favorite place, Rock Bottom, don't like their don't like Liz's amber lagers over there. However, this is this one's really good. It's Millicores. Millicores made it. It's one of their uh, like craft one-offs that they're doing now. I'm going to tell you right now, this one's really good. This is going to be a mainstay. You could get a, a 12 pack of these, and uh, it's very good. And it is it's very malty. If you like malty beers, this is really good. This does not taste like most of the amber beers that I've ever had. As a matter of fact, I would have never even called this an amber. I mean, this is almost like a Scotch ale. To be I was going to ask, is it a pub ale or a Scotch ale flavor? Yeah, it's to be honest with you, it is more of a Scotch ale. It comes in at a paltry 5.3%. So, there you go. You beat Jeff. Well, that wasn't I mean, he's not even trying. I, I, I'm going more for taste than for bluntness. So it's a good summer. Is it? it does it remind you of Oberon or? It is. Um, it's you've got a little bit more malty bite than an Oberon. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> by the way, the Oberons are out right now. Yes, I got some today. Yeah, uh, the Oberons are out. It's a little more bitey than that. Well, I shouldn't say bitey. It's more malty. Okay. Because Oberon's more of a wheat. Yeah, Oberon's more of a wheat. This is not. Like I said, it says it's an amber. But I would have never said that this was an amber. It tastes more like a Scotch ale or Scott ale. Nice. All right, folks, that is it for uh, Brother What You Drinking. So you uh, heard some uh, uh, great beer reviews there, and I highly recommend you try some of those out. And we're going to move on to Clips, the favorite part of the show. And uh, let's see. All right, clip number one. We're just going to play this one right off the bat. Are you going to kill me? If I was going to kill you, I'd have done it when you walked to the car this morning. And gone by the time your body hit the sidewalk. He has that great gravelly voice. Yep. Well, this is the part, I love this clip here too, because this is where you realize he really doesn't know how to treat women. Because, you know, the girl that he picked up basically threw in a trunk with uh, a dead body. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> That is such a great scene. <laughs> She's like, I'm not getting there. There's a dead body in her. He just, like, tosses her in. So, here, I love this part. Madonna, I was trying to get oxygen in there. Don't be dramatic. Dramatic? I got rid of the body. I've been there for hours. I brought you breakfast. <laughs> okay. <laughs> what more do you want for a minute? I mean, it's that... not an egg McMuffin. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> this is a guy that just has no clue how to impress with. All right. Oh, gosh. All right. Uh, Let's see. Here's number three. So are you going to kill me? No. You don't want to f*** me, and you don't want to kill me. I've never felt so much indifference in my entire life. Pretty much. And I thought that was actually an important scene there, because that's how she saw him. He was just kind of like a robot. He had no feelings. He had no emotion at all. Yeah, but also I'll throw out that she's probably used to just turning on the charm and wrapping guys around her little finger, and it was ticking her off that she couldn't pull that on him. Yeah, excellent point, Ken. Very good. I do like this part here because there's some there's some interesting humor in this movie. Eat your sandwich. I need to get some sleep. You know. Here you go. Yes. 
stop talking or I'll put you back in the truck. <laughs> and what's great is in that scene, he's laying back with his eyes half closed, like, don't, don't, just stop. Uh, let's see, here we go, number five. It's a pretty stupid idea, actually. If we get caught, we'll be making snow cones in Siberia for the next 20 years. The writing in this movie, I mean, well done. Yeah. It's nice, nice touch of humor. Yeah. It's, it does have some humor. Yeah. Again, it's pretty heavy, but it pops the humor in to keep it a little light. Yep. It's, and it's very dry. It's very, if you don't get it, it doesn't matter. It's, they move on. Yep, Absolutely. All right, uh, number six. This is uh, this is when uh, uh, Nika is actually trying to seduce Agent Forty Seven. Dress me. So very good with firearms. Not so good with ladies and their garments. Story of my life. <laughs> <laughs> what? No quick release on the mag? Wow. <laughs> Where's the safety? Do you keep that tranquilizer dart on your bedstead just in case? Oh God, I love that. All right, here I love this uh, this particular scene. This is when he is in the. Um, this is when he meets Udre Belikov, um, the president's brother, who is the uh, the arms dealer. I love the scene. Oh, hold up! Hey, wait! It's <laughs> not a cater. It's a Chinese copy. In fact, I don't know if it's the drugs or if you're usually disinept, but you've been wrong about most of these weapons. If the gun you're holding is as cheap as this one, even if you could manage to shoot her in the eye, and I'm not saying you could, you wouldn't kill her. <laughs> and I'm not saying you would. <laughs> I'm not, saying, I'm not you saying you would. And he had the gun, like, pressed right in her eye. <laughs> He's just like, oh, my gosh. And, and Timothy Oliphant can just be an asshole in a very understated way. Yes. And I think that's one of the reasons all of us like him as an actor, because we appreciate that style of humor. <laughs> Absolutely. He is awesome in that. I mean, he just, I mean, he, he presents this air of confidence and coolness about him. He exudes this menace throughout where you're just not quite sure. Should I really test this guy or not? Right. Right. Absolutely. All right. Uh, number eight. What do you need luggage like this for? Because that perfectly holds my Blazer sniper rifle at 245. And a gag for irritating, talkative little girls like yourself. You want me to stop and get it out? I don't know. You think we have time for foreplay? <laughs> right back at him. And I think that's where the bond began. So it was a bond. It was so sweet. It was. They were. They were cute together. Bond, bondage. It's all the same. And I'm just telling you right now, uh, guys. You could sell this. It's a hard sell, but this could be a chick flick movie. For your girls, I'm just saying. No way. Trying to get the guys to watch the movie with their with their wives and you know try to expand. No, watch it by yourself, guys. Oh Don't yeah, girlfriends in. The Istanbul scene makes it a girl. It makes it a date movie. Absolutely. <laughs> oh yeah, sure, sure it does, Steve. Uh huh. Okay, moving on. All right, here we go. Uh, number nine. Why don't men know your name? place I was raised, they didn't give us names. They gave us numbers. Mine was 47. Well, that explains a lot. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, there's a lot of worse numbers you can have. Yeah. Call me number two. What <laughs> number two work for? <laughs> 
dear. All right, uh, number 10. At 2.30, that radio taped to your hand will activate. You'll have 30 seconds to order the shooting of your friend Belikov. If you don't, the generator will start. Your skin will melt. Your blood will vaporize. There won't be enough left of you to identify. Okay, so uh, where do I uh, hit the uh, talk button on the mic? Yeah. Well, I love the rubber duck. <laughs> that's out of the mo- that's out of the video game too. That's- Is it really? Yeah, they said that's from the video game. Nice touch. Yep. All right. Uh, for those of you who uh, like Agent Smith at the end, I love this particular quote. Who the hell are you? I'm Agent Smith of the U.S. Central Intelligence Agency. I need all you men to the rear of that vehicle. You don't have jurisdiction here. We aren't here. Which means when we open up and we shred your bodies with automatic fire, then this will never have happened. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. That ends all conversation. (laughs) Yeah, I I, I think it kind of bugged me in this movie is, you know, the Doug Ray was always going in saying, like, I have jurisdiction. I have jurisdiction. This is an Interpol matter. And from what I understand about the real world, if he walked up to an Indianapolis cop, or any cop or sheriff and said, I'm from Interpol, I have jurisdiction, the proper thing would be piss off. <laughs> You're Interpol. You got no jurisdiction here. Yeah. <laughs> Interpol's better in the movies than it is in real life, from what yeah. I've heard. All right, folks, that is it with clips. It is time to move on to the Man Cave Movie Review Checklist. All right, number one. And Ken, I'm counting on you. <laughs> Did anyone jump out of a window? But, of course, when the FSB hit squad went to break in on 47's hotel room, why he was barefoot, a la Bruce Willis, die hard, (laughs) he had to quickly jump out the window and jump through another window to get away. So it was a twofer window jump. It was. The first time I was watching this uh, for this podcast and I saw that scene, I went, Yep, there's Ken's moment right there. He does. I look for the windows. Yeah, he looks for the windows. Technically, he also jumped out another window later into the river. Yeah, there's multiple window jumpings in this movie. But still, Die Hard wins them all for shattered glass in a movie. Oh, absolutely. To this date. Well, you gotta, you got to give 47 credit. I mean, when Bruce Willis lost his shoes, we commented on how the fact that you know, he just kept going on and on and didn't pay attention to getting shoes. But 47 is like, you know, he gets out of the river, he's wet, he's cold. So he just goes into the store, buys all new nice sharp duds, shoes, tie, the whole works. I don't think he bought it. I don't, don't think, think he, he bought, bought any of that. Think no, he I killed think... the clerk and took it? I, I think he bitch slapped the clerk and took it. <laughs> yeah, you're probably right. Good. Oh, boy, here we go. Not like he had money on him. If you're sitting there as a clerk and somebody hands you the MasterCard and it just has 47 yeah. at the bottom, and then when okay. you question it, he says, scan my head, you know, it's... <laughs> and you come up as a cantaloupe. <laughs> Number two, was there an irrelevant female role in the movie? I would say no. She was a damn good-looking, almost irrelevant female role in the movie. <laughs> go on, Mark. I'm going to say it. Here we go. Know. Here we, here we go. I'm just going to say, I thought she had a um, a magnificent body. I wouldn't say she was, I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, if she was eating saltines in bed, I wouldn't kick her out. But um, Jab worth a tranquilizer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, 
I mean, <laughs> well, that's what his wife says every night. Jab me with the tranquilizer. No, no. Deb is the one in control of the tranquilizer in that house. <laughs> Mark, I can just hear Steve one night go, give me some sugar, baby. And she goes, <laughs> okay, here it is. <laughs> that's By the way, he can't remember. You know, it's not the alcohol that prevents him from remembering stuff, all right? It's the set of give that she gives him occasionally. Specially blended knockout <laughs> serum. I'll tell you. If hey. I ever go over to that house and she and Destin's worse to set a give, I <laughs> just go back out, get in your car, and drive away. <laughs> oh, gosh. It's a relevant female lead. No. And I think what satisfies the role of why she's not an irrelevant female lead is because. Probably for all the movies we've seen so far, this is the most hardcore of boobies. Oh yeah, that we've we've reviewed. Yeah, she struts her stuff. Mm-hmm. Oh, she sure does. Um, all right. Well, number three was uh, could the irrelevant, but she wasn't irrelevant because we all agreed she was there. But could the female role be better played by Tony Katane? Not in this one. All right. What did I think of the uh, female role? I liked her. I liked the character. Um, she, uh, yeah. I, like I said, I'm not going to say that she's not striking to me. I mean, I, I've got a, um, well, U.S. Deb, I've got a thing for the, uh, for the Eastern European look. And, um, is that your Polish peasant forebears just want to dominate Ukrainians? That's all there is to it. I think that's it. Wow. And, uh, there you go. Well, there you go. All right. Enough said. Thanks, guys. <laughs> Uh, number five did this movie know what it wanted to do buckets of blood Mm -hmm. yeah yep it's a vid it's a movie about a video game how can you screw that up wait doom you can't (laughs) well you can you You can yes yeah you can screw it up all right number six did george lucas steal any part of this movie for star wars well obviously he Pattern stormtroopers off the uh, the Soviet or the uh, Russian FSB. I think if instead of Carrie Fisher they had cast Olga Kurylenko with similar attire in the Star Wars series, it would have added a more interesting character development there that I would have enjoyed. She would have been fine in a cha- in a in in the Return of the Jedi bikini. Oh yeah, oh, definitely. All right, uh, number seven, last but not least, Mr. Muncy, counting on you for this one. Was there a Babylon 5 reference in this movie? Too many Europeans. Yeah. Yeah, there there truly were. There's a lot of Russians. All right, folks, that is it with the uh, Bankade Movie Review Checklist. So that is it. It's about time to talk about what we thought of this movie. So I'm going to shoot it over to uh, my good and dear friend. Mark, what do you say, sir? This, This is a fun movie. I will say this is a beer and pretzel movie. It's a lot of fun to watch. It doesn't take, it doesn't want to be anything more than what it is, which is a a port of a video game into a movie. And I give it credit. It, it makes no assumptions to try and be anything more than that. It's not looking at trying to make a statement. It's not looking at trying to be art. It's playing to its audience, which is, it's a man cave movie in that respect, truly. Timothy Oliphant is one of our favorite actors. I think I, I'm safe to say that, gentlemen. 
And I think he does a magnificent job in this movie. There are some great um, supporting actors. There are a few people that are fine in the roles. Um, but all in all, if you want a movie as a... This is a quintessential man cave movie. If you want a movie that just you just want to pop in and just go, okay, bring on the automatic weapons, bring on the great one-liners, some great, great scenery that... You don't usually see and some fun actors that I don't think get the due they're deserved in Hollywood. You'll enjoy this movie. But if you do not like action movies and you don't like um, gunplay movies, you're not going to like it. It's not long on plot. But if you're expecting that, then what were you thinking? It's based off of a video game. Uh, so that said, I think the acting is salvaged by Dugray Scott, Timothy Oliphant, and a couple others. The cinematography is well done. The music is solid. The the plot, there are holes. There are parts that left me scratching my head a few times, but I just went with it because I knew what I was buying into. So I'm going to give it two reviews. One, as an action movie, I think it's a fun romp that doesn't take itself seriously and delivers. And, and for that, I know it got lambasted by the critics, but what do they know? Because they're looking for art. This isn't art. It doesn't pretend to be. I'd say it's a, I go back and forth, and I'm an Oliphant fan, so I'll give it an 8. As a video game movie, it's probably the best that's ever been made, and I'll give it a 10 as a video game ported to a movie. As a movie movie, it's a ton of fun. Just enjoy it for what it is, and, and you'll get a lot out of it. And it's well done, and it's fun. And it's an eight for me. Awesome. All right, uh, Mr. Jeff, what do you say, sir? I can't really say it any better than Mark did, and uh, so I won't. I won't even try because um, I fully agree with everything that Mark said. I do diverge a little bit because um, I find the uh, the female role um, it is necessary, and uh, and she's hot. So. Um, with that, I will I will also you know save everybody the time and effort with my uh, my, my my scoring, but I'm giving it an eight and a half. Wow, excellent! I like the fact that it I consider it, it, it you know, smart looking, stylish looking. Uh, the music was effective. I liked the characters. I'm not going to say they were developed well. I mean they're sort of stereotypical cookie cutter type people, but that's what you find in these movies more often than not. The plot. I'm going to say it threw me. I mean, I had to really, there was stuff going on. It just didn't make sense to me. And, you know, I had to think back and, you know, I had to put too much thought into the plot, trying to follow the plot. And having said that, I also knew it's a video game. It's come from a video game. What Mark said, what Jeff said is true. With my rating, again, I use the five star times two. It's a six. I like it. Don't love it. Don't hate it. I like it, which I'll give a six. Okay. Very good. Uh, guys, I mean, I, I pretty much lauded this movie, uh, from the very start. And I'm just going to tell you right off the bat, I'm giving this one for me. I'm meeting you all. I'm giving it a nine. Like I said, when I first got it, went in there with very low expectations. Didn't know anything about the video game. Didn't know anything about the movie. And I was just really blown away about how well it was done. Unlike Ken, I thought the plot was pretty good. I didn't have a hard time following it. You got to you got to pay attention a little bit. I mean, I think it's one of those if you went up to make a uh, a ham sandwich or something, you might have missed something. <laughs> so, 
because it's not it's not like Die Hard where it's everything is telegraphed in the first thirty seconds. I thought it was a very well done movie. Actors are great. Love the music. Let's see, we've got uh, number six, Buckets of Blood. Uh, it's it it is a classic man cave movie. I'm going to give it a nine. Not going to give it a full ten because there's a few things on it that. I'm gonna. I'll reserve for some other movies down the line because I don't want to uh, raise the bar too high. But it is a solid nine. It, it's great. It is a fun movie. If you're a guy, you'll love it. And that is it. That's my review. Try it. You'll like it. I mean, you know, you can't get hurt on a rental. If you like man cave movies, and that's what we review. Yep. You're not going to be disappointed. No. I mean, whether you, you landed a six or landed a nine, if you like this type of genre, you'll find something you enjoy out of it. Yeah, I think you know, I gave it a fairly low rating, but if I was sitting there on with the TV on and it came on, odds are I'd kick back and watch it. It is entertaining. It's fun to watch. Nice scenery, you know, nice other things to look at. So <laughs> I'm talking about all the guns. Oh, oh, pardon me. Absolutely. There is some good gunplay in here. Lots of it. All right. Okay, folks, that is it for Man Cave Movie Review, episode 56. Stay tuned for us next week. We're going to be talking about a great movie about World War II on the Eastern Front called Cross of Iron. So until then, uh, check us out at our website at mancavemoviereview.com and look for us on iTunes at Man Cave Movie Review. Leave us a comment and tell us if you liked the show or didn't like it. We're also on Facebook at Man Cave Movie Review. Let us know what you liked about the show. And we're also on Twitter, at Man Cave Movie. I'm your host, Steve Michaels, signing off with my good and dear friend, Mark. Send in the gunship, Slover. The light bulb comes on. Took me a minute. Must be the jet lag. Are you telling me to f*** off, Steve? Wow. That was a great line, too. Oh, man. All right, and also saying farewell, adieu, and auf Wiedersehen is our other good and dear friend, Ken. Be quiet or I'll put you back in the trunk. Roni. I have jurisdiction here when I say this podcast is over. <laughs> I am from Interpol. You can wave your badge around all you like. <laughs> Very good. Like it. Very well done. And last and certainly not least, Jeff. Now I know why I'm on an Interpol wanted list. Muncie. Steve, I'm not here. Which means when I open up and shred your body with automatic gunfire, then this will never have happened also. (laughs) (laughs) Outstanding. Very well done. All right, folks. Hope you like this review and hope you are listening to us next week. Until then, ciao. All right, and also joining us is our other good and dear friend, Ken. Uh, be quiet or I'll put you back in the back. Oh, shit. And also joining us is our... <laughs> uh, what you drinking there, Steve? No, it's not even that. I haven't really even started yet. All right, uh, three, two, one. Oh, my and God. It is 10.2 AV, so hit it, brother. What? Oh, oh shit. I wasn't prepared.
10.2. Come on, give it to me. Oh, god damn it. You don't have the sound effect? Slover, you, with you, it's like, I'm like, I'm not going to have You have it. failed me for the last time. <laughs> won't be the last. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, and, and three, two, 